Welcome to Lifting Leaders. We believe we need every voice, every idea, and every heart in order to seize every opportunity to tackle today's complex and challenging problems. Leaders hold the key to unleashing this power in every individual. We believe everyone's a leader. If you have an opportunity to influence others, then you're a leader. This podcast is for you. We want to lift you up and elevate your leadership capabilities to positively leverage the impact you have on the world's most critical challenges through energizing and unleashing the power of every voice. Today's leaders are facing the challenges of change in ways that have not been done before. Businesses realize that to remain competitive, they must innovate and reinvest themselves in ways that benefit our world. This presents challenges for every leader, whether new or seasoned, to re-examine their skills and experience and adjust where necessary. We will examine what it means to be a leader today and how to show up and have the highest positive impact. We will talk with leaders who are figuring it out every day, just like you. And we will also talk to experts who can share from their knowledge and challenge you to grow and try something new. And Trisha and I will be on the journey with you, sharing our more than 60 years of combined experience coaching and teaching leaders and organizations to be the best they can be. Join us on this adventure to unleash leader possibilities to make a better world. Welcome to Lifting Leaders. This month on Lifting Leaders, we're focusing on developing ourselves as leaders and the responsibility of leaders in developing others so they can bring their full selves to work, both for elevating impact to the organization, but also as part of what we all need as an individual to thrive. We have an exciting guest with us today, Dr. Hale. I first met Dr. Hale while partnering with her at an amazing firm, Radical Ignition, owned by Melanie Vargas, to develop and deliver a leadership development and coaching program for leaders in her organization. Cohort after cohort, 100% of the participants said they were better leaders because of engaging in this program. We have raving fans. So what is the secret sauce? I wanted to bring Dr. Hale on our podcast because she was a critical part of that secret sauce. In my more than 30 years in the field of leadership development, I have never seen an executive so committed to developing her leaders. I'm really excited to have her her here today to share some of her secrets. But before we get into that, I want to share a little bit about Dr. Hale. Dr. Hale is a hands-on veterinary practice executive with over 30 years of experience in startup operations, business development, contract negotiations, operations, practice administration, strategic planning, team building, and project management. That's a whole lot of stuff. (laughs) After receiving her undergraduate degree in animal science and her doctor of veterinary medicine degree from Tuskegee University's dual degree program, Dr. Hill joined PetSmart Veterinary Services in 1995 and grew her career with the company throughout multiple mergers and acquisitions, eventually as Banfield East Regional Medical Director. As the East Regional Medical Director, Dr. Hale's responsibilities included operational oversight of over 200 hospitals. In 2009, Dr. Hale's career progression led her to join the National Veterinary Associates Organization, eventually as the Senior Director Senior Division Director for the East Coast Region with 90 hospitals. In 2014, Dr. Hale expanded her breadth of knowledge and experience in the humane animal world as the Vice President of Medical Operations with the Arizona Humane Society in Phoenix, Arizona, as well as completed her Master's of Business degree that year. In 2019, Dr. Hale joined Destination Pet and assumed the position of Chief Medical Officer U.S. in 2020. Destination Pet is a national veterinary hospital group with over 60 locations. During her time there, she helped integrate 24 hospitals and initiated doctor leadership masterclasses while also setting up a 501c3 charitable arm of Destination Pet. In 2018, she was appointed to the American Veterinary Medical Association Professional Liability Insurance Trust Board. She also serves on the inaugural board for Wedgwood Pharmacy. Dr. Hill enjoys reading, listening to jazz music, and traveling internationally. She is married to Chuck, a retired officer and veteran of the United States Air Force. 
They have six dogs. Nina, is that Ms. Pink, Jackalo, Harvey, Abner, and my favorite one, <laughs> Baby Cake Star. <laughs> I We need to see a picture of that. I think you'll have to send us a picture of that. We can post on the website. Baby Cake Star. There's got to be a wonderful dog there. There's um, got to be a story name. behind it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Dr. Hill. So happy that you could join us today and um, excited for our listeners to learn as much as I have from you. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I keep wondering, who is that person she's talking about? <laughs> that person. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how when you write down what you've accomplished or done in your life and it's still doing your life, it's wow. It, it, it can be a bit overwhelming, but at the same time, I'm happy to share with you my journey and uh, how I went through all those twists and turns to get to where I am now. And I really am um, very happy to be invited to your to, to speak to your audience on Lifting Leaders. Great. Well, welcome. And we've got the first question for you, um, which is really you can answer it however you want, but it's tell us your story. Wow, that is a nice open-ended <laughs> question. I would like to give the Cliff version, but maybe the Cliff Notes version may be too short. But um, I always like to tell people three things about me. One is that I'm a preacher's kid. I am a preacher's kid and I am also an only child. And I am a military brat. So I like order in my life. So that's how I tend to work mm. with lots of order. However, I'm learning to, I've learned over the years that life is messy and you yeah. can always be in order. But in reference to just my, my career and how I've um, gotten into the positions that I have, I started out as a clinician in veterinary medicine after graduating about um, 36 years ago, practiced for about 10 years. And that's when I started to move into the other roles. And at each time a new role came about, I would just sort of raise my hand and say, I've never done that before, but I'd like to try that. Mm. And luckily each time also, there were great mentors and leaders mm. who saw that potential and were willing to help to lift me yeah. as I kept growing in different positions. Now I talk, it's funny how people say, I am an engineer or I am a doctor. Uh, I work as a veterinarian. So we always should remember that our profession is just a part of us, right? It's yeah. a big part of our lives yep. for 40 or 50 years. But I see myself as a daughter first to mm. my wonderful parents who also had uh, great professions of passion. My dad was a minister. And when you're a minister, you're called. And, you know, the, the word is that you're called by God to become um, yeah. a minister, and I remember some of my earliest years was when he was in college, when he was in seminary and the, learning theology. And then my mom works as a nurse. Mm. So that's a very passionate profession as well. Yeah. And I also remember her going through school for many years. She became a licensed practical nurse first, and then she was determined to get her bachelor of science in, uh, in nursing and become an RN. It took her many years to do that. Mm -hmm. So I saw people with determination and with passion and I decided at seven years of age to become a dog doctor. Mm. Now that's so that, young. That's, wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to say veterinarian. So it was dog doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason being is that my, I had many puppies when I was growing up. And if any of my puppies got sick, I just got a new puppy. And I finally figured out, uh oh, oh no. something must be happening to my puppies. And if I could, have saved them. If I could have been a doctor, mm -hmm. I could have saved them. Yeah, uh, we were a young family back then. My dad was a young minister back then. Uh, getting and feeding a puppy is one thing, but medical care is another thing. Yeah. So I that's how I decided. My parents could not convince me to look at any other profession. They would try to take me to the school fairs when different universities would come, and I would run and hide somewhere because <laughs> I decided. I want to be a dog doctor. And I even told them that I was going to Tuskegee when I was seven years wow. old. So, mm. Talk about vision. My, I had goals. <laughs> what can I say? I had goals. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and mm. luckily they worked out for me and even went past those dreams because I only imagined myself being a clinician or a veterinarian practicing, which is wonderful, by the way. There's yeah. nothing 
there's nothing as um, I would say uh, as rewarding as healing a pet and having those warm eyes look at you and having mm-hmm. clients so very happy about that. Um, but then these other opportunities came about. And each time I just said, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to step out with my mentors and coaches, and I'm going to see what I can do next. Wow. wow. That's a, so inspiring. I love the fact that you knew at seven <laughs> what you wanted to be and that you, you know, that that stuck with you. Um, I have a, a, a child who is a freshman in, in college and I've experienced this with all my kids that it's, they, they, they think they know what they want to do and then, you know, let's change that and let's change that. And which is all good and natural. Um, but yeah, that's amazing at seven. And then here you are today still practicing that it's, um, and then of course all of the other things that you've done as well, but that that's still something that you can get you know, that you're passionate about and you can get reward for. So that's, that's amazing. It's to me, it's amazing that at that age you had a vision and you stuck with it. You know, it's so many times I, I have nephews, I don't have children of my own, but my nephews, one of them was like that. He had a vision when he was young and he is following his dream. The other two have done more of the struggling through trying to figure out what he want, what they want to be when they grow up. One of them is almost 40 and he's still struggling a little bit <laughs> because he'd never quite landed on that vision, but um, he will someday. He will. But that's amazing. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, and, and you will find a lot of veterinarians decide at very young ages, yeah. Yeah. You know, either under 10 or sometime somewhere in high school. And what's wonderful, wonderful about veterinary medicine now is there's so many different things you can do. You can be a practicing veterinarian. You can work for the CDC. We also mm. guard the nation's food supply. We inspect all mm. of the meat that we eat and um, we work in with our poultry and cattle producers. We, we do research for medications and things like that. Yeah. So it's a wonderful profession to be in because there's so many different things you can do. I never thought about veterinary medicine or anything being a, being a part of um, like our food chain, but that's, that is you're opening my eyes a little bit because I don't think I really went that deep into it. I always thought of it as, you know, animal husbandry kind of thing where, you know, you're taking care of an animal and you're making sure that they're healthy so that they can do what they need to do. But that's exactly what you're doing is you're taking care of them so they can do the good work of keeping us safe, right? That's right. Oh, I know I'm a dog lover too, but I have a cat. <laughs> I have a Simon. <laughs> okay. So if I can give you the next question here. Um, You've shown such resilience throughout your journey. And can you tell us your secret? You know, I really wish there was a secret sauce to that. I would sell it or, you know, <laughs> I'd probably give it away also. When we think of, when I think about resilience, you know, people will sometimes confuse being strong with being resilient. And I think they're mm-hmm. two different things yeah. because I think being strong is highly overrated. There are times when I've been knocked to my knees in life. I mean, I've been knocked flat on my back in, in life, all kinds of things. You can think about personal relationships. You can think about, um, I, I, I always wanted to be a veterinarian, but I struggled my first year of undergrad in college. And mm. it's just because I was distracted by the <laughs> world and parties and everything else going on in college. Right. And I remember my parents sitting me down and telling me, this is your dream. You remember, you told us this is your dream. You want it. We're living our dream. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to go with your dream. Yeah. So I had to regroup and come up with a plan. To me, that's what resilience is, is how do you take the next step? It doesn't mean you're not knocked down. It doesn't mean you don't fail. And and I, I can also talk about failure in, in a couple of ways too, but it doesn't mean you don't make a mistake or you don't fail or somebody trips you up. Remember, just because someone tells you you failed, it doesn't really mean you actually fail. They could be making that up because of whatever yeah. they are going through. So how do you get back up from those times when someone maybe has tripped you up or when you have failed or when life has just knocked you on your butt uh, going through um, something? And sometimes I think about it as a just coming up with an explanation. It's okay to cry. It's okay to Mm. be in that hurt. It's okay to say I'm I'm weak right now. It's okay to reach out for help. But then how do you get back up again? So the resilience piece to me is 
you wake up the next day and there the sky is blue no matter what happened the day before yeah. uh, you look around your dogs still need to be fed right mm -hmm. <laughs> so you have to get up and take care of them yeah and then it's like what's your plan is it something that you need to do in the next 10 minutes the next 10 hours or the next 10 weeks and I'm not going to take credit for the 10, 10, 10 plan. I heard that somewhere. But a lot of times when I'm trying to prioritize or figure out what my next step is, what do I need to do in the next 10 minutes, the next 10 hours, next 10 days, next 10 weeks to get there? Yeah. And then I start working that plan, but learning also to be flexible. You may think, okay, I'm going to set a plan for going to veterinary school and maybe you don't get in after your four years. I was lucky to get into vet school after three years of undergrad, mm -hmm. but what if you don't even get in after you've graduated, mm -hmm. then what's your next step? Maybe you go for a master's program. Maybe you go out and work in the veterinary world for a while. I would like people to understand that there is something after, after those hard times in life. And it doesn't mean that you're the strongest person in the world when you get through those things. A lot of times women we're told, and I'll say this, a lot of times black women we're told how mm -hmm. strong you are. You've upheld um, everyone through all these years of hard times. Well, sometimes that can really be a burden. Yeah. So it's okay to say right now I'm weak. I don't know exactly mm -hmm. what I want to do, but I do know I'm going to come up with a plan for it. And sometimes you have to let all that noise go away for a while, whatever that hurt your feeling if you've been told that you failed or if you've made a mistake for real, whatever that, whatever that noise is that's in your head, it will clear out and that's when you can start making your plan. So that's, that's how I've always operated. Someone told me recently, she goes, Dr. Hale, you always land on your feet. And I want to say, yeah, but you should see all the in between. That's right. It's uh, right. There's a whole bunch of that's going on in between when I'm trying to figure out this next step. And then the other piece is, there are a lot of people that came before me, my mother, mm -hmm. my grandmother, my great grandmother that went through much more difficult times than mm -hmm. I ever did. And I think about, we talk about you rise up on the shoulders of your ancestors. And of course, being a black American, my ancestors came over here as enslaved people through very difficult times. Mm -hmm. So if what I'm going through now is nothing compared to what my ancestors went through. And I don't see as me stepping on their shoulders. I see them as lifting me up by their hands, not so much me stepping on their shoulders to get there. So sometimes I put things in perspective as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, darn, I lost a job. Well, guess what? I don't have to go out and, and you know really hurt myself to get a new job. I'm still in air conditioning in a house. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you, helping mm -hmm. to put things in perspective as well helps with resilience is, mm -hmm it'll be okay. Whatever it is, whatever pain you're going through, acknowledge it, feel it, see it, and know that eventually those clouds will part and you'll come up with your next steps. Yeah, that's so true. I love that the process that you're going through or the, or the steps that you mentioned, you know, you, you almost have to be able to get inside yourself for a minute and say, okay, I'm going to have my I'm going to have my tantrum. I'm going to have whatever is going on. I'm going to have to deal with um, how I feel the grief or whatever. But but then I have to know that on the other side of that, there's an expectation. I have to, I have steps. What am I going to do for the next 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days, whatever. And I think that that's great because it gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to work towards. And I love also what you said about basically standing on the, you know, standing on the shoulders, but it, to me, it's a point of reference, right? It becomes your point of reference on how you're going to, how you're going to get through things, knowing that the people before you had it probably so much harder, even though I don't, I don't always believe it's always so much harder because some people have quite a hit in these days that they have to deal with. And so it's, it's like, look to that and respect what happened and, and try to figure out how to stand up as proud as that, you know, or as, as high as you could. That, that's really nice. Thank you so much for that. I, I'm always struggling with how to, help people get through and be resilient when they are on the downside you know you can always try and get them to see that there's a better tomorrow but if they aren't there yet you know how do you get them through that murky middle right yeah absolutely and i was thinking like as we think about the the audience for this podcast is is leaders and the such important role we have to do this of course for ourselves and as leaders to do this for our people, that that we are um, 
you know, are on our teams and, and that we're responsible for. And what a gift to have somebody who has been through things in life that um, has experienced this, because then you have that all important quality of empathy that, that we really want to see in leaders and to be able to actually, you know, employ that and use that to help your people move ahead because everyone's going to experience some sort of setback in their career. And it can be just a project that went really poorly. It can be an interaction with a customer that went really poorly. And I think a lot of people tend to think, oh, my career's over or my um, my job is over. I won't get that promotion or whatever. And to have a leader be able to say, you know, let's let's talk about this and let's put this in perspective mm-hmm. and let me help you move forward. That's that's just a gift. It takes that point of reference, though, almost, you know, mm-hmm. for that person to be able to have that conversation. You know, when I think about what you were talking about, it makes me think of, you know, the the wisdom that grows from from you know, times when you've had a stumble, you know, when you learn that you're not going to melt or internally combust, right, you find out that, oh, you know what, I learned something from this. If you can rise above it, then the next person who has to deal with something, you've got, you've got something you can hold on to that you might be able to help them through. So I, I like, um, I like the, the part of gaining your wisdom. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about when you, when you take a stumble, you can lose your job. But if you don't internally combust in the moment, you know, you can actually rise above it and the next time you, you know better or you can help somebody else through it. Right, and it's not to minimize anybody mm-hmm. what they're going through or especially now, each, each person has their own journey and each person has their you know, own ancestry and ancestors to, to pull from and uh, what they're dealing with now. But, you know, I think of even as a young veterinarian, you make mistakes in your first diagnosis of certain cases and surgeries or how you mm-hmm. talk to a client, as you mentioned, and you, you walk out of the room and you feel horrible when you have to tell somebody bad news about a case or something like that, that was going to happen. And those are just times you have to learn from it and put it in perspective. And mm-hmm. again, it's not to minimize anything. And, uh, you know, each person, how they handle, you know, when they go into the little storm in their head of whatever they're feeling, that's real for them. But I just want people to know, don't give up in the middle of that storm. And don't think the storm is going to be the rest. Yeah, It, it will yes. pass. There will yeah. be something there will be something on the other side of that storm. And how do we take steps to get to that other side? If, if I could help people know that. And and I, I try not to be, you know, to use, not not to use a, a familiar term, preachy, since my dad was a, <laughs> I was a preacher, preachy. But if you call and ask me, I will share my experiences. I will open and tell you, yeah, I've been through something like that. Yeah, can you imagine? Yes, I've been fired from a job before. It feels horrible. Mm-hmm. tell you but there's a tomorrow and there's somebody else who'll have interest in you there'll be another place where you can be valued and bring value and in fact you going through that experience will actually help you to even be better in your next role yeah yeah absolutely I have one piece I wanted to touch back on something that you said and this is kind of a personal thing so I'm going to be like we're going to I'm going to engage you it's not a question that's on our sheet um so you mentioned mentors, and then you talked a little bit about um, this uh, lifting leaders up. And it was an interesting discussion that we had as we were actually creating um, this podcast and creating the podcast cover, um, which I'm going to give a shout out to my daughter, Madison, who actually did this artwork. She's an architect and helped us with putting the artwork together. Um which I think is absolutely beautiful. But we the discussion was, are you lifting people? The, the um, artwork shows somebody at the top of the peak lifting down, reaching down and lifting someone up. And uh, it's funny how we have different perspectives. I was like, yeah, that's how I think of lifting. Trisha's version of lifting was from the bottom, was pushing people up. And then you mentioned shoulders and 
standing on people's shoulders. And so it's so interesting to think about, you know, what sort of the metaphor around that. It's like almost like we can actually, you know, almost put a hug around people. It's like, we're going to lift you up. We're going to do it from the bottom. We're going to do it from the side. We're going to do it from the top. So there, it's not that there's one way to do it. So that, I thought that was kind of interesting. Any thoughts about that, Dr. Hill? Sure. So first of all, congratulations to your daughter and her talent. So obviously talent that's running the family there. <laughs> They're amazing. Um, I see it. I've, I've had to do all that. And I've had to have all that done for me. I've had to have someone reach down and say, hey, you can do this role. Have you ever thought about doing this role? And I see that as their hand reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. I've also been in a role where I've like been melting down for a minute and I, you know, I need someone to come along and put their arms around me and say, it's going to be okay. And then I've also been where I've either, you know, had to have someone go, nope, you can do this. You can figure it out. And that's, I sort of envision that as a bit of a push yeah. as well, yeah. you know, or lifting up in a push yeah. because, you know, you have those people in your lives that, as we know, people see us, see those, we've talked about in other uh, places, the Johari window, people yes. see things about you that you don't see yeah, and they will see that talent in you or that strength in you, or they'll see the places where you definitely need the support and to be, you know, boosted up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a combination of all of that and, and good leaders know when to apply it, right? Yes. yes. It's not just, it, you can't treat everybody the same way at each, even at each juncture. If somebody's even dealing with similar issues, you just need to be able to apply it correctly. And I did at the right times also. And I also believe that you should always be looking for, I tell my leaders, you should hire your replacement. There should be somebody or somebody's that you've identified that you know could move into your role or higher. I am not at all worried about people that I hire that might outpace me or get promoted past me mm-hmm. or better surgeons than I am, better veterinarians than I am, better business people that I am. That's wonderful. One, that I get to be a part of their journey. Right. I get to learn from them. Hopefully they get to learn from me something as well on their journey. And I will look forward to watching them soar. Wow. Awesome. You can wow. see why I asked her on the podcast. <laughs> We're glad you're here. <laughs> We're hanging on every word. All right. So obviously there's passion around that, passion around developing. Where does your passion for developing leaders come from um, and, and really developing all your, um, all your employees? Why is this important to you? Again, I'm going to say something I'm not going to take credit for, but when I hear things, I will jot them down. I have all these little pieces of paper all over the house, little things written <laughs> on them. But this is one that says, my ambition is not about myself anymore. Mm. You know, there, there's a time in your life where you're very ambitious for yourself. You want a certain title. You want to be in a certain office. You want a certain this or that. I feel that I've done a lot. I've been able to achieve a lot. I've been able to be, and I hope to continue to be role models for those that look like me and those that do not look like me. So my ambition is for others. I want to know what it is. And I, and I try to go to each person that I get to work with. And that's whether it's, I, if it's the CEO I report to you or it's other people that report to me, what is it that you want to do? What is your ambition? What is, I wanna be your advocate. If you tell me that as a practice manager of a veterinary hospital that you would like to become a regional practice manager, a regional operator, let's work on what that means and how to get there, what you need to achieve to get there. If you tell me as a veterinarian in a hospital that you want to be a chief of staff or the lead doctor or the medical director, let's see what that path looks like. Again, building that resilience because you got to put that path in place, those plans in place. And then of course be flexible because any plans you put in place don't always go like you want. Yeah. (laughs) But my thing is, I think it's really important that you're helping other people get to where they want to be. That's where I get most of my joy these days. And of course, having, having the positions that I have, I do have more of that ability to help influence and to help guide um, people along those paths within our profession, because veterinary medicine, we really have, I mean, this multi-unit management and being able to manage hospitals and manage groups of people, it's fairly new. It's probably within the last 15 or 20 years that this has come about to have multi-unit management and yeah. different roles like this. Um, so if I can help any people 
not stumble as much as I did because those roles were very new and we were just sort of put in these positions. Oh yeah, just go ahead and be a regional medical director. Well, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. Just go ahead and do it. Figure it <laughs> out as you go, huh? <laughs> It'll be fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but I also did have some mentors along the way, if not just about learning to manage my time, but just learning business and learning to read a P&L and um, some of their people knowledge they had. I mean, I had the privilege of riding in the car with the founder of Banfield. That's huge. Mm. This Speaking of having a vision, this person had a vision of thousands and thousands of veterinary practices across the country, which did come to fruition. Mm. And I was able to ride in the car with him. And I, I can say his name, Scott Campbell, because everybody knows that mm-hmm. and learn from him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where, you know, I started getting my ambition about, oh, well, can I you know, do more? Can I grow more in this the organization here or other organizations? But again, my ambition is not my own anymore. It's, a, it's for others. Mm, that's lovely. And so as you state that, I want to ask you, you know, why do you think it's important for um, and executives, leaders to really invest their time and their money and their resources in development? One, I, I do speak quite a bit about veterinary medicine, but um, because our profession is growing, it is changing. We, we do need more leaders that are veterinarians running our businesses for us. But even just generally, everything can't stop with one person. You know, we can't have the head person in charge making all the decisions. One, they, they eventually get in a, what I call the CEO bubble anyway, where they really are a bit out of touch with what's really going on and, mm-hmm. you know, in their business. Right, you know, yeah. If they're smart, they get out and they get outside of that CEO bubble. But it's really important that you show that you're about advocating for your team members about their growth, what they want to do, what career paths are available. Again, no company should ever want to hold anybody back. And in fact, the word should be, if you outgrow us, if there's nothing else left for you here, if every performance review you're getting 110%, that means you've outgrown that Mm -hmm. job and you've outgrown that company. And we should actually be able to say to you, let's see what we can help you find that actually fits where you are and where you're growing because we don't have this here for you. Mm. Again, people shouldn't hold power over anyone. You really don't. People think that they hold power over people when they have a job. But um, last time I checked, we really don't have legalized indentured servitude in the United States. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So really people are free to go at any time. And and I think that's what the pandemic has recently Mm -hmm. taught us, right? Yes. People are like, hey, this isn't fulfilling me for whatever reason. I am going to move away from this role or this job or this company. Mm. So I think having that genuine interest in your people that you touch and having them have a genuine interest in their people that they touch, it 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 will make a huge difference in a company and it has to be sincere as well. Yeah. And you know, it's so I think that's that's so important, especially when we think about the way the world is going right now. It's so different now than it was when I started, you know, being a leader. It was like a lot different. We didn't have all the complexity. We didn't have the global view of everything. Now we do. And um, and the way our world is going and we have to worry about pandemics and changing climate and all of that, there's so many things that I think leaders, in my view, have to look at. And so when you were saying, you know, you need to you may outgrow your you may outgrow your company. That's true. I think as as leaders are starting to evolve and see that there's more to what they can do beyond what they're doing right now. Yeah, and I think it's it's shifted to around uh, helping people uh, with their passion. Yeah. So I think that that's actually shifted uh, in the landscape as well, and and I think that's going to be even more important as you were talking, Dr. Hill, about that, you know, we have this, um, the great recession going on right now, um, or resignation, not recession, resignations. A lot of you. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people look, looking at different options, like where is my passion? I'm not so sure that's true in the veterinary field though. The, the little bit that I've, um, gotten to work with, uh, in that industry, 
like you were saying, these people are actually very passionate about what they do. Every day they get to come to work and do what they love, which is really awesome. But outside, uh, and probably in the medical field, it's probably similar to that as well. But in business, I think we run across more of those, those people who are still trying to find how do I actually apply my passion and my gifts in, um, in the work that I do and the mm-hmm. thing that I get paid for and not have to do that in a side hustle. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say within veterinary medicine, there is some struggle right now with mental health and well-being mm. because we are in such demand. Yeah. I mean, we are, we became an essential service very yeah. early on in the pandemic. We didn't close. We were a business that was open. People were home with their pets so they could see all the problems their pets were having. Um, Mm -hmm. We were available and there were lots of pets adopted during the pandemic, more pet owners, pet ownership is growing exponentially. Mm -hmm. It's in the hundreds of billions of dollars at this point. So what we are dealing with in our profession is almost we're needed constantly. It's like as if we're, and we are, we have extra shortage of veterinarians of about 6,000 veterinarians is what the estimate the shortage is at this point. It's Mm -hmm. probably more than that. And then of course that leads to shortage of veterinary uh, assistants and technicians and things like that. So it's almost as if our passion, um, you know, we're so busy doing it that sometimes we, we forget that part about the passion. Mm-hmm. That's why I always tell people there's a point where you step back, that noise that's going on, how do you uh, take care of yourself and how do you plan to take care of yourself yeah. as well yeah. uh, during this time? But it is truly a, a profession of passion, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it's like... Um... You're the frontline workers, just you know, frontline medical workers, just as yeah. nurses and doctors and technicians were as well during the pandemic. I know for sure because my my cat had to go into the vet to get his nails clipped because he won't let me do it. But they were booked every day for seven days a week at my veterinary clinic. So, yeah. and it's a pretty large one. So I was um, standing in line a lot, but it wasn't that that didn't bother me. I just felt sorry for. The fact that they only had so many people that work there, you know, so, yes. wow, that's, that's a, another reality check. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thank you. So moving to our advice for others, what's one or two, um, or two or three pieces of advice that you have for leaders who might want to get better at developing others? So They've now they've said, yeah, th- I, I get it. I want to do this. I want to be better at developing my people. What's a couple pieces of advice that you could give to them? Well, first, I'd like to, them to think of where are the next leaders going to come from? I mean, so you, you have to step back and take time yeah. for developing leaders. Where are your next leaders going to come from for growth, for expansion, for new business? So therefore it is mandatory that you take time to develop leaders because you you have to have that, for lack of a better word, pipeline for that, those next leaders coming about. You also have to have a sincere interest in what people are doing. It can't be feigned or fake. You have to have a sincere interest. And that means sitting down and talking with people, um, sometimes away from the office, if it's grabbing coffee or Mm -hmm. lunch, uh, CEOs should definitely come down and meet with people in the hospital in, in a sincere type fashion. Yep. Again, you're developing your next leaders and you may find leaders in places that you might not think you would. You mm-hmm. might visit a facility. And again, I'm talking veterinary that a person who works in the kennels and they may tell you a wonderful idea that they've been thinking about that would help them do their job, help the pets they care for, help the owners. And that's where some of the best ideas come from, yeah. not the C-suite, but from the people that are actually doing the roles and you need to take time to listen to them as well. So that's why it's important. And who knows? I mean, you've heard the stories of people that you know, have started, you know, in jobs in McDonald's on as a yeah. fry cook and they end up, you know, at high levels or owning several McDonald's and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you n- never know when you're talking to the next CEO. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to the next chief medical officer who may just be a new graduate out of veterinary school right now. Yeah. And it could be part of their development. Um, in addition, it really will help your business to know that this is a place I can go and get that development and get that um, leadership, not just leadership for, and, and Crystal, you've heard me say this in the past, 
I don't want people just to become better leaders for business. It's about their life. Yeah. It's about managing their life as well. Yeah. Because like, even though we're spending, what do they say, 60, 70% of our time at work for many years of our lives, there's still that other part of your life that's just important. Yeah. Important. So how do you budget for the things that you want to do in your life? And I'm talking about not just budgeting, budgeting monetarily, but budgeting emotionally, um, your time. And it, to me, that's exciting too. Yeah. That you, that we care about people, not just what they're doing um, to make our business better, but what we can we do to help them to make their lives better. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well said. So I'm hoping people are taking notes. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's, um, it's interesting. This is the first time I've heard advice you know, that actually is something you could act on. Uh, a lot of time I hear advice and it sounds a little too fluffy or pie in the sky, but this is, I, I really like the idea of, um, of budgeting. I never even thought about yeah. emotional budgeting before, but yeah. thanks for yeah. that. And I'm going to use that. I'm going to, I'll quote you, but I'm going to use it. I just want to, <laughs> I want to just um, say one more thing. And this is, um, I think it was, it was sort of woven in what you said, but one thing that um, I've really observed about you, Dr. Hill, is, and one of the most important things that executives and leaders can do is to show up. And I think we underrate that a lot. So, you know, um, it is that taking them a person to coffee, it is listening, and it is, it's just showing up. It's showing people respect and showing them that you care and that, that they add value and they matter. And you are so genuine and authentic when you do it um, that people get it and they feel it and they appreciate it and it makes them better. Well, thank you for saying that, Crystal. I, again, go back to who I think of my one of my mentors and people that have been in my life that I still can call upon now. And every now and then they'll poke their head on my Facebook page and say, we're watching you. We're really proud of what you're doing. <laughs> And, and that's great. I, I really, yeah. it's like, oh, me? You remember me? <laughs> that's how I feel when I see that. Um, but I, one, want to make them proud as well. Yes, you, you have to be sincere. And sincerity also means you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. So that's why, you know, talking about, you know, with, you know, there's always the risk of oversharing. But yeah, I can share when I had a very, a case go sideways. Um, I can share when perhaps I didn't speak correctly to a team member. And I've actually called people back when I've not done well by them and say, yeah. I apologize for the way I spoke with you that day. Um, and, and I don't make an excuse for it. It's easy to say, well, this happened earlier or this happened. That's why I was a little short. No, I'm just calling back to say I, I shouldn't have had a conversation with you like that. And I apologize. So being yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. Also, you don't have to have all the answers all the time. That's another thing. Yeah. People may come to you with something that you'll say, well, you know what? I'm not sure about that one. So let me see if I can help you find the answer, whether yeah. it's something that's truly like medically related, but also if it is something the emotional related, is there a resource that I can direct them to? And I always try to get back to them if I do find a resource for them, or if, even if I can't, I'll say this is the type of resource you should probably look for. Yeah. But it's letting people know that I am, I will try my best to help them because I've been helped also, but also because Again, that's where I get my value for myself now is seeing others continue to do well and do better for themselves by what they want. And I always want to make sure that I'm helping them become the person they want to be. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily that I want them to be or the business wants to be, them to be. Yeah. You know, you, you may want them to see, the business may want them to see 35 pets a day. That's not, that's not fun. <laughs> I can tell yeah. you that. Yeah. Um, but we'll say, how can we help you become the best veterinarian you want to be? And if it's something personal, you're, you're beginning your family and it's important that now you get off at a certain time where you work so many days per week, how can we help you get there as well? Because you also want to continue to be part of this business and this group and we want to see if we can help you. That's what, that's the kind of place I want to work in and yeah. that's the kind of person I hope to try to be. And if I can, I try to help people along those lines. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, we're coming to the end of our time, right? So we've got one one last question for you. One last burning question, and with <laughs> all this in mind, what are you really excited about that's coming up in your future? 
Wow. Let me see. Well, you know, I think if the pandemic has thought, taught me anything is that to be present, mm. to be present right here, right now, like even in this conversation, yeah. to be vulnerable, vulnerable, also can't hardly say it now, <laughs> uh, but be present and vulnerable with the people that you love and the people that you work with and let them see who you are. Don't be afraid of that. Uh, because you are, you you have warts, they have warts. No one's <laughs> it, without citing the whole thing. We all say, well, no one's perfect. Well, we all know that, and it's okay. I've had people say to me, Doctor Hill, you make it look so easy. I thought, you know, and now I'm doing the job, and I realize it's not really that easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe I need to, you know, show a little warts every now and then when things aren't going so well. But I think that's what it, I've learned over this last couple of years to be very present for the people in your life and all aspects of your life. And know that the present is what we have right now to yeah. to celebrate and be um, be aware of. If, if anything, that's what excites me, and that's what I'm thinking about for, for my future. Is wherever my next path is, I want to be in a place where I can bring that type of love because work mm -hmm. is about love. Also, mm -hmm. you know, there are different types of love as we know, and that's what I want to be able to bring. Mm. That's beautiful. Well, I have to say what what a gift um, this conversation has been. And I love that you ended it on love. And I was thinking, oh, I loved you before and I love you even more now that I know more about you. And we really appreciate you sharing your love with us in this podcast. And it it's really hit the mark uh, for what we are hoping to accomplish in this, uh, this new podcast, Lifting Leaders. Um, and it is, it really, that is the bottom line. So I'm so happy we ended up here, that it really is about love. It's love for our work. It's love for um, our fellow man, humanity, and it's love for our earth. And that's one of the things we'll be talking about. And I think you just brought that earlier um, when you were talking about how vet veterinarians also help um, even with our, our food supply. It's like, you know, all these things are intertwined. And um, so thank thank you so much for being here. I know Trisha wants to say some. It's just remarks. such an honor to be able to talk to a leader who has her act together. And I will say <laughs> that. I, I say that because I work with many leaders who struggle to have their acts together. And many of them are great and many of them are, are going to be great. But it really feels good that in our first premier podcast that we got to talk to someone who actually has your act together. Dr. Hale, thank you so much for this. And great insights. I, I love, I love um, hearing you talk about how what your aim is now. Your goal is to um, help others or your aspiration, I guess it is, your ambition is not about yourself anymore. I, I wrote it down because it was just beautifully said that your ambition is for others. And wouldn't it be great if we had more leaders that really were able to leave, you know, know themselves well enough to be able to get outside of themselves and start looking in that direction? I think the world would be and will be a brighter place. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, we've had so much fun we're probably going to have you back later in the year, if, if you'll agree. So maybe on a different topic, although we could continue to have this conversation too. But thanks again, Dr. Hale, and um, uh, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Crystal and Tricia, for having me. I always say this. Um, I, you never know who is watching and listening. And uh, I hope that from this, someone will you know, make their plan, get through the noise, and find that place of love for themselves. Absolutely. Thank you. What an inspiring episode. Fantastic that this was our inaugural guest. Let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There are so many exceptional episodes coming up. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we're curious if you know someone who would find this episode inspiring. If you do, share it with them. Text them, 
email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find episode notes there as well. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Finally, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha, for co-hosting with me. Thanks to all of you, our listening audience. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week.